What's up? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength Podcast. Vietis, equitit, iundo, we gather strength as we go. I'm coming at you from the beautiful, gorgeous, and expensive Livermore, California, home to wineries, rodeos, and a couple crackheads. Now, here at the Gathering Strength, I always empower you with a new vocabulary word because once and twice, three times a lady, I've told you, I want you to have a buff body, a buff mind, a buff spirit, and a buff bank. And all of these little accumulations of things that empower us add up over time to strength. And it's not about just being able to lift heavy weights, being able to run really far or really fast. It's about, man, having mental strength, spiritual strength, financial strength, and physical strength. Life is going to be tough, and we're not always going to have a spot. We're going to have to rely on ourselves to do much of this heavy lifting. So you better have a strong back. Now, the word of the day, I always hit you with the word of the day because I want to empower you. Words have power, knowledge is power, and I want to empower you with another vocabulary arrow to add into your quiver so you can deploy as you see fit. The word of the day is archetype. The definition of archetype is a very typical example of a certain person or thing. An original that has been imitated. A recurrent symbol or motif in literature, art, or mythology. Similar words are type, prototype, representative, stereotype, and original. A few sentences to really hone in on the fundamental and the gravitas of this word is he is an archetype of a successful businessman. The United States is the archetype of a federal society. Now, the first sentence, he is an archetype of a great businessman. Now, we need to think to ourselves, hey, what constitutes a great businessman? He's going to have great negotiation skills. He's going to be on time. He's going to be well-kept. He's going to be sharp. He's going to have networking capabilities. All of these things that consist of an archetype of a businessman. Now, don't worry, baby bird. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to tie in this word of the day into the meat and potatoes part of this podcast. Now, today's podcast episode is a special one because, hey, your boy Ruby Rube reached out to somebody who I thought was inspirational and a archetype consisting of the everyday hero, the everyday man. Now, there are 12... 12 type of archetypes that a psychologist, Carl Jung, identified. The innocent, the everyman, the hero, the rebel, the explorer, the creator, the ruler, the, magi- the magician, the lover, the caregiver, the jester, and the sage. Today, I'm going to be talking about an archetype that is going to embody the hero archetype and the everyman archetype. I had a great interview with Dana Bradley. I met Dana Bradley 
through a Facebook running page that both of us are on. And over time, I have been able to call through my social media and before where I had a bunch of idiots posting all types of idiotic things, I cut all them out, I blocked them because ultimately it was diminishing my my vibe, it was bringing me down, it was making me think a whole bunch of idiotic thoughts and I've been able to fill up my social media feed with people running Ironmans, people running marathons, and people such as Dana Bradley. Now on these social media pages such as the Running Motivational Facebook page on Facebook, uh, there's a whole bunch of people posting all types of things. There's old people, there's young people, there's fit people, there's people who are beginning out on their journey of discovering running. There is people who, man, speak so highly of all of the positive ways that running has changed their lives. And for myself personally, I enjoy seeing the transformational photos that these people put out there. On their before photo, you'll have one person who's, you know, 300 pounds, overweight, you know, just that archetype of an overweight person. Um, And then the after photo is someone who is just jacked, shredded, crossing marathon, marathon finish lines. And one of the photos that was that was gripping was the before and after photo of Dana Bradley. Now, if you didn't know Dana Bradley from before and you just saw her walking down the street, you would just see, hey, a, a nice, healthy-looking woman. But if you know where, what she looked like three years ago, she looked like a whole nother person, completely different. And she shares a story on the interview that I'm going to play after this, this part right here where I'm setting the, the table. She shares a story to where her transformation happened during COVID. And during COVID, everyone was locked down. No one was really going out. There was a quarantine and her transformation happen over that time so she went from weighing 200 and I think it was 83 pounds so 283 pounds was able to work on herself and she said that she wasn't you know posting updates or doing anything like that she just had her nose to the grindstone and she was just focused and then once things started to open up she was kind of like a a caterpillar who blossomed and now is a butterfly. So once COVID opened up, she went around to uh, some of these functions that her her daughter's school was having and people didn't even recognize her. They thought that her husband married a new woman. That is how dramatic the photo is. And that is the the heaviness that the lifestyle constitutes that the person before was not doing and then takes on some new information and then applies it 
and now they are working on themselves to where, man, they're having breakthroughs after breakthroughs, and they they arrive on the other side in a much better place. Now, really quick, getting back to that hero archetype, uh, the hero archetype's goal is to improve the world through skill. Uh, their desire is to overcome adversity. Their message is where there's a will, there's a way. They have a strategy to be stronger and better. Motiv- their motivation is mastery and courage. Their fears are letting people down and weaknesses. Now let's talk about this hero archetype and compare it to Dana Bradley, what she did with her transformation. And this is not just only applicable to Dana Bradley, but this is applicable to anyone who has transformed their life and took it from one thing to something much better. That is the hero archetype. Once again, uh, the hero archetype is to have a goal, and that is to improve the world through skill. Now, one of the ways that we can improve the world is by improving ourselves. We can't go out and change the world and shine our light out on the world if our internal light is dim. We can't go out and pour from our empty cups. We need to work on ourselves. And man, you know, Michael Jackson, he's the one who said, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. And Dana Bradley made that change. The hero archetype has a desire to overcome adversity. Now, Dana Bradley, she shares in her story how she had multiple strokes at the age of 35. 35 years old and had multiple strokes. Now, man, if that is not adversity, then I don't know what is. But interestingly enough, those two strokes at that age for her was not enough for her to change her ways. You know, I, I guess for whatever reason, she just wasn't open to receive the the reality and the heaviness of her health situation. So I only had a limited of time to speak with her. We didn't get too much in depth because, man, there's so much to to talk about. And we just had to keep things moving. Now, the hero archetype always has a message. And the message is where there's a will, there's a way. And the... The straw that finally broke the camel's back that really changed Dana's mindset was her thinking to herself that, hey, she could potentially leave her kids motherless. Now, there's two catalysts for changes, inspiration and desperation. Now, she has been inspired to not leave her children potentially motherless. And she had desperation because, hey... If she doesn't change her ways, then that probability is a higher outcome. So she needs. To, she looked at herself in the mirror and said, "Hey, where there is a will, there is a way." She was able to use some of her her assets, her undervalued assets, where people they don't realize the tools that we have. 
and we're able to use those as leverage. For example, our phones. She went onto YouTube and she started doing these workouts. And at first, they were difficult for her. They were very hard. And that is how things always work. You are always going to suck at something that you start in the beginning. And that is not just only on your fitnesses, on your fitness goals. It's going to be any skill. Name a skill. You are going to suck at it in the beginning. And if you give up, hey, then you have reached your plateau. And that is as good as it's going to get for you. But not for the hero archetype. Because where there is a will, there is a way. She's stuck with it. She did what she needed to do to get done. And she she sought it through. Another attribute of the hero archetype is the strategy. So she didn't get in too much about the things that she did. And that is irrelevant for you and me because the things that she did, like for example, the workouts, the foods that she was eating, the, you know, the this and that, all of the minutia that she did that added up to her success, that's not going to work for you and me. So we're going to need to develop our own strategies to see what works for us because hey, everyone is different. But there are the underlying things that are applicable to everyone, which is grit, determination, knowing your why, and working on all of these little individual parts to make up the great whole. And now when you work and identify your strategy to get you to your goal, for example, your health and your fitness, it's not just going to consist of, hey, I need to exercise more and eat less. Nope. There are so many little things that you have to take inventory of. For example, your sleep. Are you getting enough sleep so that your body's waking up rested and you're getting enough recovery so that you can do a rigorous workout? Are you taking inventory of the foods that you eat? Not only of the foods that you eat, but how, how do they make you feel? After every single meal, you need to be in tune with yourself to identify, hey, does this food make me feel good? You're going to have to work on your impulse control. There was a segment in the interview where Dana opens up and she says that, Coca-Cola, the 20-ounce Coca-Cola bottle. She was drinking four or five of those every single day. Now, you're going to have to replace your old habits with good habits. And then you're also going to need to identify, hey, why? Why am I doing all of this? Why am I going to bed on time? Why am I eating different foods? Why am I working out? Why am I putting myself through all of this um, uncomfortableness? Why am I doing it all? You're going to have to have not only one why, two whys. You're going to have to have a million different whys. So that when the times get tough, you can pull a why out of your mental cookie jar. And you can add that to the fuel of your fire. And you can... Start stoking those flames and you can reignite your diminished, um, your, your diminished mindset because inevitably the stresses of life, the everyday things that, you know, drain us, that rob us of our vitality, our responsibilities, our worries, just the everyday things of life, if we don't 
know why we are doing it, doing these hard things, then it's going to be much easier to quit when the times get going, um, going hard. Now, when Dana Bradley first embarked on this journey, she didn't know whether she was going to be successful or not. She didn't know how to do these workouts because she opened up and said that she was so frustrated she wanted to quit. But she saw people who were similar to her body type on these YouTube videos and she said to herself, if those people can do it, then I can do it. But everything starts off ugly at first, messy in the middle, and then beautiful at the end. Um, It was... I think it was Carl Carl Jung. Once again, this is a a psychologist who was Sigmund Freud's apprentice and then broke out and uh, created his own work. And he has a lot of great quotes. One of his quotes that resonated with me as it pertains to this situation is Carl Jung says, The fool is the precursor to the savior, which means that we cannot be everything we can be without first understanding we will and must be willing to fail, stumble, and fall along the way. Now, you don't go from zero to hero in in a lifetime. You start out, you, you start out stumbling, you make a little bit of progress, and then it's always two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, three steps back. Four steps forward, just whatever it is. All of these little steps and these little failures and these little um, adversities that we are inevit- inevitably going to encounter along our journey we're going to stumble along the way. We're going to fail. We're going to have some some bad days where, hey, we feel like, hey, we're going to give ourselves a little cheat day, but we just went overboard. We just kind of threw all of our gains out the window and we let our impulses get the best of us. But guess what? Tomorrow is a new day and you learn from your mistakes and that's, that's part of the human condition too. So give yourself a pat on the back and know that you're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul, he says that he does the things that he knows he shouldn't do and does not do the things that he knows he should do. So when I hear biblical, um, biblical people saying sentiment, sentiments like that over 2,000 years ago, that brings me some solace because I know that, hey, you know what? Those guys, they were messing up back in the day. They were doing the things that they know that they shouldn't be doing. But yet they were convicted in their spirit to know that the way they were acting was not conducive with their higher standard, their, their calling. And, hey, I'm, I'm no better than the Apostle Paul. I'm no better than St. Augustine. He was praying for chastity back in the day. And if the Apostle Paul and St. Augustine, if those guys are going to be falling into temptation, hey, guess what? You and I, we're no better. I'm no saint. I'm just a guy getting tacos. There's a podcast episode that I have called True Cost of Ownership. So let's rewind really quick to Dana Bradley's old school habit of consuming four to five 20 ounce bottles of Coca-Cola. 
Now, when she was not living this healthy lifestyle, hey, perhaps she was blind to this fact. But along her journey, she identified one of the self-sabotaging habits that was not conducive to her growth. And she was able to let go of that self-sabotaging habit. And she implemented um, something that was going to help her get to where she wanted to go. And one of those self-sabotaging habits that she identified was drinking these 20-ounce bottles of Coca-Cola. Now, I went online because, man, there's no reason to remain dim and unaware of anything these days. So I went online and I googled how many grams of sugar are in a bottle, a 20-ounce bottle of, of Coke. Now, the true cost of ownership is going to give you the numbers to where you can see the true cost of what you are consuming. So, according to Google and the back of the nutrition label on a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola, there is 65 grams of sugar in one bottle of 20-ounce of a 20-ounce Coke. 65 grams. Now, times that by five, man, she was drinking five of those per day. That's 325 grams of sugar per day. Times that by seven. That's 2,275 grams of sugar per week. Now, the 325 grams of sugar per day that she was consuming, according to Harvard Research, they show that no more than 24 grams per day for women and 36 grams for men is considered healthy. Dana Bradley, she was at 325 grams per day. And now that um, times that by seven, that's 2,275 per week. And there's 52 weeks in a year, which equals 118,300 grams per year. Hey, now let's add that up, add that up for a decade because you know what? Time flies when you're having fun, right? Because I added up my alcohol um, consuming habits for the year and mine, mine were staggering too. I do not have that number off the top of my head. I've shared it in a previous podcast. Um, you can find it in my catalog and it's called the true cost of ownership. And I run down my numbers too, because it is powerful when you see the actual figures that you were consuming unaware. So Going back to those 20 grams, those 20 ounce bottles of Coke, that is 118,300 grams of sugar per year. Times that by 10, 10 years of consuming Coke, 1,183,000 grams of sugar over 10 years. And that's just with Coke. Man, how much cake? How much ice cream? How much Sour Patch Kids? How much pie? You, you name it. So here's one other figure that really drives the sentiment home. Now, 118,000 grams. That is equivalent to 260 pounds of sugar per year. So just through drinking Coke... Dana was consuming probably 
blindly unaware of this fact, 260 pounds of sugar per year. Hey, once again, let's let's zoom out and go to 10 years. That's 2,600 pounds of, of sugar. And that is just sugar. 2,600 pounds of sugar. Man, you know what? I went above and beyond. I went online to see how much, how much money does one 20-ounce Coke cost. And you know what? I did these for my beers too. And my, my figure was like $1,700 per year. But check this out. For a 20-ounce bottle of Coke, it is $2.59. Times that by five. That's $12.95 per week. Times that for by 52 weeks, that's $673 per year just drinking Coke. Times that by 10 years, $6,734 by just drinking Coke. Hey, so guess what, Dana? I just discovered an extra $6,734 for you over the next 10 years. So you can go ahead and take your family to Hawaii, to Mexico with that. You can treat yourself to a nice vacation because, hey, you, you earned it. You earned yourself a extra $673 per year. So what are you going to do with that extra time and money that you saved I were you, I would, I would reinvest it back into yourself, Re, reinvest it into your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, or hey, throw it down on some, on some, some stocks, some mutual funds, whatever it is, as long as you are taking that power and the energy back out of Coca-Cola's hands and you are putting it back into yourself, hey, it's all good in my book. So whether it is Dana Bradley taking the power back, analyzing her weaknesses, and then strengthening them incrementally every single day, because man, yeah, this takes time. This was, this was a three-year journey for her. And everything good and great takes time. If it's easy come, then it's easy go. And like I said, it's not about just doing the exercises. You need to get your head right. You need to analyze yourself, why you do it, why you think you do it. And for me, I'm, I'm speaking on my own behalf. When I was analyzing the things that I was doing, man, it took me all the way back to analyzing my grandpa. Because I need to analyze my, my caregivers, my family consciousness. Who was raising me? Who put those thoughts into my head where it led me to believe that the way I was acting was all right? And the old adage is the blind will lead the blind. And when I finally learned enough and I removed my blinders and I saw that I was in the wilderness, man, that was a scary moment. I had to do something to get myself out of my own wilderness and point myself in the direction of my own promised land where that is flowing with milk and honey and we all have our own promised lands that are better than where we are currently at 
And I know that a lot of people, they feel like, hey, you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. I am how I am. And you know what? Yeah, sure. Maybe you are okay. But do you want to just be okay? Or do you want to continually strive for what's better? And to my estimation, the greats, the people who I feel are the most well-equipped and evolved, the ones with the buff body, the buff mind, the buff spirit, and the buff bank, they continually strive towards what's better. So without further ado, I'm going to play for you and you can hear Dana's own words. You can hear the way that she tells her story because it is powerful, it is impactful. And I hope that I get the opportunity to speak with her again because we can unpack what she was talking about so much further and we can dive even deeper into everything that she said. So go ahead, stick around for the interview. Um, my name is Dana Bradley. I live in Hartsell, Alabama. I'm originally from Chicago, but moved to Alabama about 20 years ago. So I've been a, a resident here for about 20 years now. I have two kids. I have a 19-year-old who's in college, and I have a soon-to-be 17-year-old who will be a senior pretty soon. And um, I'm not sure I've already told you my age. Um, I'm 46. I just turned 46 in February. Yes, I, I'm also part of the Runners Loving Running and the 6 a.m. Run Group, and um, I, and also the David Goggins um, Souls Group. I, I, I just want to inspire as many people as I can through what I've learned over the past three years. You know, the mindset, you know, can make us or break us, and to me, the mindset is our um, greatest asset in life. Um, it can bring us up or it can bring us down. And I had to learn to get my mindset right in order to continue on with my journey to where I am today. And I always tell people, you know, we always need to, to have more positivity and less negativity and we will get more done if we, we can, you know, possess that. Mm -hmm. Yes. No. So, so now you said that this transformation took over the duration of three years yeah now you're 46 now so when you were 43 years old you had already you know pretty much lived um lived a good amount of life what yeah. happened for you at 43 years old to where th a light bulb went off over your head and you were just like you know what this is this is not how or this lifestyle is not working for me the stuff that i'm eating consuming ingesting that's not yeah. working for me what was the inspiration um, or the desperation that you were feeling or went through? I I was very tired. I was a stay I was a stay I've been a stay at home mom of almost twenty years, and so I constantly did for my kids and um, for my family, and I let myself go along the wayside. I, as parents and moms and dads, we let ourselves go on the back burner, and we don't focus so much on ourselves. And I went to my doctor. Um, I actually had too many strokes when I was thirty five. And it was a very scary situation. You would have thought my life would have turned around and a light bulb would have gone off in my head then. But at 35, I still wasn't thinking, 
you know, anything about it. I still wasn't, you know, I was very negative still. So I went to my doctor for my checkup and we went over labs. We had done my cholesterol testing, my, my blood pressure, my blood work, you know, everything that could possibly be done. I, I had been living on pills because I was, you know, I had so many health issues and he just sat me there and he's like, you know, Dana, we need to rethink what we're doing here. He's like, you can leave your kids motherless. He's like, you're 284 pounds. The scale's not moving in the right direction. You've got all these health problems. You're almost diabetic. You've got high blood pressure, which means, you know, you could end up with another stroke. When are you going to, you know, be able to, to fix this? He said, you need to, you're going to leave your kids motherless. And I lost my mom at 14. I had lost her to breast cancer. She had developed a lump in her breast about a year prior to telling anyone. And when she finally decided it was time to go to the doctor, it was very late in, in the stage. And it did not take her long for her to pass away. And here I was 14, lost my mom, my daughter, and wow. my son were, were close in age to that. And I remember sitting in my car thinking to myself, I could leave my kids like my mom left me. I don't want to do that. And I broke down. I had this moment where I knew I needed to fix something and fix something quick because I wasn't getting any better. I was spiraling into more health issues and I was almost diabetic. And the idea of taking insulin and everything just really scared me. So, you know, right at that time, COVID was hitting and everything had to begin to shut down. And I thought to myself, I've got to do this. Um, you know, my kids were forced to stay home on virtual school. My husband was forced to stay home, which he traveled the majority of our marriage on the road all the time. So he was forced to stay home and not travel. And I just thought to myself, I've got to do this for myself. I am miserable. COVID's either going to make me better or break me. And I decided that next day, I was just going to go for it. I got up and started doing some YouTube videos. I didn't want to, but I made myself do it. I remember going through one of the workout videos for 10 minutes and it was very hard for me. And I just, I started crying because I couldn't finish it. And here these people were just about my size on this video and the instructors that were on there were, you know, helping them out. And I'm thinking if they can do it, I can do it. So yeah. I went ahead and just, got that video back on and finished the rest of it. It was like, I think a 25 to 30 minute video and I finished it. And then I went walking every day and every day I started doing the videos. I made myself get up every day about an hour before anyone else in my home got up. Cause I didn't want people watching me exercise. I, that's one of the reasons I don't go to the gym. I don't like eyes on me. I don't, I feel like people are watching. I'm, I want to get my workout in and get it done. And so everything I've done, I've done here in my home and I've done that for three years. And now I'm an avid runner and I love it, enjoy it, do it every day. And I cannot imagine my life without running. Doctors told me I would never probably run or probably couldn't run because I had bulging disc in my back. I had one herniated disc and I had the starting of arthritis in my back. And I just had to prove to them that I could do this. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a time to listen to the doctors and sometimes there's not. And I was very stubborn, didn't listen to them, but I'm glad I didn't because my faith was stronger than my fears and I just went for it. And now where I'm at today, I couldn't be happier where I'm at. Well, so many things that you said right there that we can unpack and just talk about all of those little things in depth that added up to your overall achievement. And there is a, there's a, uh, I, his name is 
eluding me right now, but he says that the efficient worker works on the individual parts and then fashions them fashions them together to create a great whole. Now, when when you see like yourself standing in the mirror and you contrast it to that person before, they are they are the same person, but they are completely different people. Yeah, I'm I'm the same on the inside as far as my my kindness and my heart. Those yes. things have never changed. My mental mindset, my spiritual mindset, and my physical appearance definitely has changed. The most work someone will ever do going through a journey like this or any journey, I say, whether it's career or in relationships, is the mental journey. That is far more the most important journey one will ever have because that is what gets you to the point where you want to be. If your mental mindset is not great, you're not going to achieve what you're meant to, meant to achieve. And through my journey, I not only worked on myself physically, but mentally and spiritually was very big for me. And all those components together make me who I am today. Wonderfully said. Um, there are two catalysts for change. One is the inspiration and one is desperation. Now, your one of the catalysts for you to change was your health scares and the the possibility that you could leave your your children motherless, as as you said. Now that uh, you have put in the work and you're standing on the foundation that you're currently standing on, how do you continually prevent yourself from backsliding and falling into the old habits? How do you deal with um, moving forward? And, you know, you know, there's people out there who can potentially diminish the, the accomplishment that you have uh, achieved well, for yourself. I, I, one thing I want to touch base on are haters Ooh, and people who are, People will try to dim your light when they see yours as shining bright. And over time, during my journey, I've had a lot of people in my life tell me that I've had work done, that no one can achieve what I achieved without some kind of surgery, without some kind of facelift or anything. Because my face, my, my whole transformation is a very, very different one than most people. My doctor does not even recognize who I am without looking at my chart. He's like, I would never recognize who you are today versus who you were three years ago when you came into my office. He said, it's probably one of the most incredible transformations I've ever seen that's been done naturally. And, you know, I have people in my town. I have people even on the internet. I've had people on the runner's pages. I've had a lot of people that have come at me and said, there's no way you don't have loose skin. There's no way you've done that. Your face, you've had to have some kind of facelift or some kind of nose job or something. I am the most transparent person when it comes to my journey. I've not had one ounce of work done to my body. The way I tell people is I've done my research. I worked early on trying to change my habits. I did everything I could to avoid having a lot of loose skin for starters. I wanted to make sure my skin was healthy. I wanted to make sure that my transformation was the most natural that it possibly could be. I have two kids. They are constantly drawing from the money tree out back that I don't have. And they're, they're getting older. My finances goes directly to them. I don't, I don't feel I need the work. 
nor do I want the work or anything like that. I think things can be done naturally. I think we need to embrace our flaws and embrace what the journey brings to us. Um, when I look at my flaws and I look at myself in the mirror, I think to myself, yeah, there's a lot of people that have body dysmorphia because when you're in a heavy, when you're heavy or you're, you're obese, you always kind of see that person still there when you're looking at the mirror. It's hard to, to, to see anyone different, especially when you've been overweight your whole life. It's very different to see yourself in a different, different size. Mm -hmm. And when I look at myself, I still see the old Dana, but I see a new Dana that's more vibrant, that's healthier, that's able to be present for her kids, that's able to be more positive than I used to be. And I see flaws. Some people don't see them because, you know, I'm not going to appear naked somewhere so they can see all my, my flaws. I know what my flaws are. I see my flaws. I embrace those. I don't sugarcoat anything. You know, not everybody's weight loss will be the same. Not everyone's transformation will be the same. And that's one thing that we all have to embrace. Whatever kind of journey we're on, we need to embrace where we are, love ourselves and love our bodies because we only get one body and one life. And I was given a second chance by the grace of God to be able to change my life to what it is now. And I'm very grateful that I trusted him to help me. People say, don't bring God into it or anything like that. He wasn't responsible for your achievements. I had somebody tell me that, and that really strikes a nerve with me because, sure, he did not do all the work for me. I had to do it myself. But spiritually, if I did not have him to guide me on the days when I had no support and I was dying inside, I would never have made it. And I don't, I don't sugarcoat things. You know, I will tell people, this is the hardest journey you will ever go through. If you don't have support, it makes it even harder. And I, that's why I want to be the light for someone. I want to be someone's lighthouse in their storm because I know what it's like to be there and it's not fun. And I think all of us can show others more kindness and grace. Going back to bullying, people don't know what other people are going through in life. We can assume, we can judge, but what good does that do any of us? It doesn't do any good. So when yeah. I see these people hating on me or, you know, telling me that I've had work done when I know, in fact, I haven't, I look to these people, I copy and screenshot what they send me. And on days that I don't feel like getting up or days that I'm having a down day, I look at my phone, I look at a message that someone may have messaged me and I say, you know what? Not today. I get my butt up get my shoes on, get my shorts, tights, whatever I'm going to work out in, and I go do it. And they are one of my biggest motivators to this day. My kids used to be the reason why and some of my biggest motivation. And after that, my haters became my biggest motivators. Wonderfully said. Uh, David Goggins has <laughs> the same sentiment. Uh, I think he does the same thing, too. I'm not sure if that was a tip and trick that, that you were able to um, utilize from the advice of david goggins but yeah he he does yes. the same thing yeah someone someone very special to me had sent that sent a, a a youtube um little clip to me and um and i took that to heart and i thought you know this is such a great idea this is this man 
is is doing it. This man has met haters. This man is, you know, telling everybody it doesn't matter. And um, yes, so I, I've kept that and and that was part of my reasoning behind doing what I what I'm doing as far as keeping my messages and stuff like that. I've had to block, delete and you know, all kinds of things, you know, the yeah, social media sure. is kind of rough, you know, but you know, you put yourself out there and yeah, you know, you put yourself out there to be criticized and judged and, and all that. And that's fine. But, you know, I will never, ever unscrew someone's light bulb to make mine shine brighter. I think there's enough room in society for everyone to do exactly what they want to do. And I'm a very big encourager of people doing great things. I think we can all do great things. I think it's awesome for people to want to change their lives, their careers, get healthy, get fit, get in better relationships. I'm all for that. I will support a thousand percent. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Um, to, to use your words to build someone up and to encourage them rather than diminish what they're doing. Because when someone does that, they, they are projecting their own weaknesses, their own insecurities onto, onto someone else. And man, that, that is a sign that, hey, you have some, some issues with yourself that need to be worked on. But rather than doing that, you're going to talk about the, the, the speck in my eye when you have a plank sticking out of yours. Exactly. Exactly. And over time, I've had to, you know, had to really realize that, you know, during a journey, when people are saying things about you, because, you know, during COVID, you couldn't really go anywhere. I was going places to the grocery store, but wearing a mask. And I, I, I was, you know, not going to school functions or anything because nothing was in session. And when I finally did come out, I guess you can say from hiding or whatever from COVID yeah. time, <laughs> nobody, nobody recognized who I was. Um, I would have people that I knew I didn't really post a whole lot. You know, I didn't really have a whole lot of pictures of my transformation. I kind of just was on the down low just because I did not know what my transformation, you know, I would ever come from. I didn't know if it was going to be something that was going to be short lived like any other season I used to have, or if it was going to mm -hmm. be something that was going to continue. And I'll never forget going to a football game. My daughter is in the band and I go watch her on Friday nights to watch the football team and watch her twirl. And I remember going through the line um, of leaving and a girl I've known forever just kind of walked right past me and started talking to my husband. And then moments later um she was talking to my husband i looked directly at her and she ignored me and moments later when i got back into my car she she messaged me on facebook and she said i'm so sorry i did not recognize that was you with your husband she said you look so different you look great i didn't recognize you you had completely changed everything about you. I didn't even recognize you in your face. She said, I'm really, really sorry. She said, I thought your husband got remarried. Oh, oh, oh wow. Holy moly. Yeah. And, and yes, you know, your transformation uh, pictures, yeah, they are dramatic. And that, that is why, you know, I I love to to talk to people like you because your story, it is, it is it's powerful. It's inspiring. It's not about right. just exercising. It's not going to be just the workout. No. You're going to have to sleep right. 
You're going to have to do some stretches. You're, you're going to have to read some books. You're going to have to take on some new information. And you're going to have to look at yourself and ask yourself, hey, why do I need to numb myself with all of these various things that I have been numbing myself with? Because they all take energy away from your higher level level self. I believe that, you know, um, I guess what the words I'm trying to say here is everybody wants a quick fix these days. Everybody wants a microwave result. Nobody really wants to work for their, for what they really want. And, you know, when going through a journey like mine, as far as weight loss, you have to have the right mindset to be able to start doing it. You have to be able to stay disciplined, find the motivation, continually have the consistency to make the choices daily to not go back where you were. It takes place with nutrition and eating healthier, making better choices for yourselves and for your family and exercising. All of the, the sacrifice, would you consider the things that you quote unquote sacrificed uh, the, I don't know, the goodies, the treats or whatever type of uh, diet thing that you were consuming back then and compared to what you're consuming now, would you consider that a sacrifice or would you consider it an upgrade in your lifestyle choices? I would consider it an upgrade in my lifestyle choices. My goodie of choice was 20 ounce Coca-Cola's. And I would drink about four to five of those a day. And that was kind of like my, I guess, my drug of choice. I was drinking four of the 20 ounce colas a day, pretty much. Yeah. And they were my, that was my, um, my addiction. And that was the first thing I had to give up because I knew that it was, they were making me sluggish. They were hindering my health journey. And I knew I had to strictly make better choices and that was the one thing that I gave up that I so much loved or thought that I needed. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with Dana Bradley, uh, she has her Facebook page. I will put a link to it. Uh, she's also part of these running groups. Uh, let's see, Runners Love Running on Facebook, 6AM Run Group, and David Goggins Souls Facebook Group. And you know what? It's no surprise that this woman is a David Goggins fan because you can tell. You can tell when someone has been bitten by David Goggins, by the David Goggins bug because, man, you can tell when someone does not know David Goggins' philosophy so she is embodying David Goggins' philosophy and bravo. So until next time, I'm going to hit you with the David Goggins catchphrase. Stay hard. And I'm going to hit you with my catchphrase, which is onward. Always onward.